our authority. Now, I'm going to tell you this today. This is not a boring topic. This is one of the most exciting, life-changing truths that a Christian can get a hold of. If you get a hold of this, I promise you this will change your life. Now, if you don't get a hold of it, then, you know, it's, it's just, you know, another sermon or whatever. But if you can grasp the truth that we're about to throw out here from the Word of God, it can rock your world and change things that you have wanted changed for a very, very long time. This got me healed of leukemia. This, 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 this message, these truths have absolutely changed my life in so many ways and so many people that I know. So what I want to do is open in prayer and we're going to get into the message today. God is going to speak to you today. I promise you this. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, uh, that we have such a wonderful church to come together and worship in. Lord, we've got an awesome family to surround us, uh, Lord. And we, Lord, I just pray today that you will speak to each person here, Lord. Uh, you know, as we say so many times, you know what each one of us is facing. You know the different struggles and, and mountains that, that are trying to, to pop up in our lives, Lord. But in the name of Jesus, as we look at the Bible today, you're going to reveal truth to us that will set us free and change our lives forever. We thank you for it, and we say that it's so. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. The first thing we're going to say is this. Number one is that you have spiritual authority. You have spiritual authority. And, you know, and uh, do you know what authority means? Does anybody, I mean, you know, if we just throw authority out there, do you know what that means? That means that you're in charge of some stuff. If you've got authority, you can tell those beneath you what to do and they better listen, right? You know, if you're the boss, the employees don't come in and tell you how it's going to be. All right, Mr. Manager, today uh, you're going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to need you to sweep the floors. I'm going to need you to go clean the bathrooms. Get it done by 3 o'clock. All right, boss? Like, like, what? No, that wouldn't make any sense at all. The boss would be the one saying that to the, those beneath them. And in a lot of Christians' lives, the devil shows up every day and he's like, Okay, good morning, guess what? Today you're going to be full of fear, anxiety, depression, worry. You're not going to have enough money. I'm going to come make your kids sick. I'm going to mess up your marriage. I'm going to do this, this, and this, okay? And so many Christians are like... Okay, geez, oh, man, this is the dumps, man. And, you know, they just, they accept all this. I'm like, why in the world would you let this guy boss you around? So many Christians get bossed around by the devil every day and they don't do anything about it. But the truth of the matter is this, it does not have to be this way. You have the authority over him. So let's look at something here. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Luke chapter 10. So let's look at Luke 10 today. All right. Hmm. Did the rain like wash your enthusiasm out? Just All right. Well, we'll, we'll get time to get there. You get, we'll get you a chance to get excited here. But Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. Now, I mean, there's a lot of people in this world that they, they just want some authority. They want a little bit of power. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, that's what they're searching after. And I, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't need to be a big person in this world because of this, because of what we're getting ready to read right here. I've got authority in the spiritual realm. I've got authority over the kingdom of darkness. And that is far more significant than a powerful person in this world. But look at Luke chapter 10. Verses 17 through 19. And, and so Jesus, 
you know, he had more than 12 disciples, okay? We know we have the 12 apostles that we know of, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Philip, Mark, Tom, all these guys. But uh, he had an even bigger following than this of disciples. And so Jesus gathers 72 disciples together, and he sends them out in his name to go, to go heal, to go cast out devils and all this stuff. And so here's the report when they get back to Jesus. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They're like totally shocked. They're thrilled. They're excited. They're shocked. They're like, this actually worked. Even the demons have to obey us when we use your name, Jesus. But Jesus isn't surprised at all. Do you think Jesus was caught off guard that the devil obeyed his name when other people used it? Jesus wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're right, it worked. Oh, I had no idea. I just thought it was a good idea. I thought we'd try it out, experiment with something. But no, Jesus isn't shocked the devil obeyed his name. Look at this. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You know, Isaiah tells us that the devil, he got kicked out of heaven because of his own arrogance and pride. And Jesus witnessed the whole thing. He says he saw Satan, he got kicked out of of heaven so hard and so fast, it looked like lightning falling from the sky. Jesus saw this, so he knows who we're dealing with here. And he's not shocked at all that the devil listens to the name of Jesus. He says this, verse, uh, verse 19, look, I have given you... Authority. Everybody say you. Authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. If you even halfway comprehended the power that is in that verse that we just read, Luke ten nineteen, your life would change. He said, I have given you authority over all The power, all the power of the enemy. If there's anything in your life that is a work of the devil, Jesus has given you the authority and the power to use his name. And and the devil's got to flee, just like James told us. You resist the devil, you got to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so Jesus is not surprised at all right here. He says, I've given you the authority over all the power of the enemy. All the power. And so I think a lot of times in our lives, though, what I see is a lot of people, they've got stuff going on in their lives and they haven't properly identified it as a work of the devil. And so I'll explain it this way. You know, sometimes maybe you're going through a hard financial time and you're like, well, maybe God's just trying to humble me right now. Maybe he's just kind of, maybe he needs me to go through this season of poverty to teach me something. And, you know, God, God does that. And well, if, if you see poverty as a gift from God, then by all means, don't pray for it to go away. Why would you pray a blessing from God away? You know, if, if poverty is a blessing, don't pray to, to, to get rid of it because you're praying God's blessings away. I, however, believe that poverty, and if you've ever been poor, you realize that that's the biggest load of baloney in the world, that being, being poor is not a blessing from God. It's, it's a curse of the devil. You know, and, and, and Galatians tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And if you read what the curse of the law is, poverty is a big part of the curse of the law. And so, but if, if you're alive, you're going through something, you're like, well, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is God trying to teach me something right now. Or, you know, this sickness that I'm dealing with, maybe God's given me an affliction to make me stronger. I, I just don't know. But the truth of the matter is this, is that that could never be, ever. God is not going to make you sick. God is not going to make you poor. 
well, how do, how do I know this? Well, for several reasons, but John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give life, to give life more abundantly. And so if there's anything going on in my life that is not life and life more abundantly, I know it's not, it's not from God. It's a work of the devil. When I got cancer, I mean, there was no question about that, that God did not put cancer on a little boy to teach him something or to make his parents stronger. That is the biggest, again, load of baloney that anybody could ever come up with. That's a curse. That's from the devil. God did not do that to me. Now, he got a whole lot of glory when I went running out of that hospital, if you know, later on. But, but the truth of the matter is God didn't bring that on me. And until you can identify what the works of the devil are, you're going to have a hard time in your life taking authority over them. Because you don't know if you're taking authority over something God sent on you or not. And so let's just make it perfectly crystal clear right now today. That Jesus does not bring bad things into your life to steal, kill, or destroy from you. If there's a sickness, that is not from God. If there's poverty, if your marriage is struggling, that's not, God's not going to break up your marriage and split up your home. To, you know, make your kids go through all that. That's not God. And you have got to identify that and take authority over it through the name of Jesus. And the good news is this. Jesus said, I have given you authority over all the works of of the enemy, all the works of the enemy. And so if there's something in your life that's a work of the enemy, you have authority over that work. You have the power through the name of Jesus to change this situation. I have no idea why so many people just sit there and put up with it. And I, you know, I'll say this, that I'm super glad that my parents knew that they had spiritual authority when I, when I got leukemia and went crippled. I am so glad that they didn't spend one second wondering, well, maybe this is God's will. Maybe God just needs another little angel up there in heaven. Maybe God needs another flower for his garden. We don't know. Listen, man, don't, don't get that near me. I am so glad that my parents, when this came, they instantly stood up and said, no, in the name of Jesus, by Jesus stripes, he is healed. Jesus came to take our sickness. He came to remove our disease. We're not going to accept this. We're not going to accept this. And because of that, I'm, again, I'm so thankful that I'm, I'm here today because of the truths of this word. And so we've got, to get, we've got to get a hold of the authority that we have and quit putting up with things from the devil. You know, I, I had, when I was a teenager, I went through this season where I started having nightmares all the time. You know, and maybe you've never had anything like this, but I started having these really wicked nightmares for this whole season. And, and in my dreams, I would just like be uh, like paralyzed and I'd be trying to move and I couldn't break out of it. And I'd be trying to say, say the name of Jesus and I just couldn't get it out of my mouth. And this happened to me all the time. And I'd wake up in a cold sweat like. <sighs> and so I, finally, you know, I got to the place where I, I am done with this. This is not going to happen anymore. And so. For a while, every night before I'd go to bed, I would use the name of Jesus. I, I would say, in the name of Jesus, I bind any nightmares from coming to me tonight. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no room to move in my life. I'm going to sleep perfectly all through this night. I'm not going to wake up for anything. And I'm going to wake up in the morning blessed, refreshed, and ready to go. Satan, you are bound in the name of Jesus. 
That was 2003. I haven't like had a bad dream since then, and, that, and I'm not lying to you. That's 2003. That's what 14 years ago or something, and it has absolutely worked in my life. Why? Just because I had the mental capacity, or I, no, the name of Jesus works over any work of the devil. Any work of the devil, if it's not from God, I don't want anything to do with it. And we have authority over it, but you've got to know the authority that's in the name of Jesus. And so, I want to show you an Old Testament story here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So, 1 Samuel 17. Now you're like, well, this is the Old Testament, you know, that they weren't using the name of Jesus just yet. Well, well follow me here, I'm going to show you something. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 41 through 47. Amen. So who in here thinks that this is your year for a breakthrough? I mean, this is your year to see, see God's plan come to pass in your life. But 1 Samuel chapter 17, and you know, this is the story of David and Goliath, but I'm, I'm going get, to get to the end of it here. We're going to start at verse 41. But as you know, David, little shepherd boy, he's a teenage boy right now, probably, I don't know, 17 years old. And uh, nothing special about David, really, other than he has crazy guts and courage. David is insane. And I mean that in a really good way. Because, you know, he tells this story about, you know, one time he's watching his dad's sheep. His, his job in life is to watch sheep. There's absolutely nothing that sounds heroic about that. But one day, it says a lion comes out and tries to attack one of the sheep. David goes after it with a club and beats it with a stick. If you beat a lion up with a stick, you are absolutely insane. You've got a lot. I mean, I will I tip my hat to you, but I don't want to mess with this guy. Then another time it says a bear comes out and tries to take one of the sheep. And David goes after it with a stick. This guy has beaten off bears and lions with sticks. He is nuts. He's insane. And so a, a, a giant shows up, you know, and, and the Philistines, I mean, the Philistines were bullies. They were totally punking the people of Israel around every day. They've got some giants, so they send Goliath out. And as you know, every day he comes out and trash talks the people of Israel. He's like, yeah, all right, come on. Any men? You want to send your wives out maybe? Anybody? Could anybody fight? And every day this guy comes out and trash talks them. And all the grown men, all the guys, you know, that are the trained warriors, they're crying themselves to sleep at night, sucking their thumbs. They're terrified of this guy. And so one day, as you know, David shows up and he sees all this going on. He's like, hey, who's that guy? What, what, why is nobody, is anybody going to do anything about this? You're letting this guy talk about our God this way and you're not going to do anything about it? Well, he's really big. I mean, he's huge. But no, David isn't intimidated at all. So he says, I'll go fight him. First Samuel 17, uh, looking at verse 41 here, David's getting ready to go out and fight Goliath. This is where, this is the good part of the story. I love this. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. So David's just a pimple-faced teenager here going out there trying to fight, fight a giant. But look at this. Am I a dog? He roared at David, you're coming to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And so he's saying, I mean, he's huffing, he's puffing, he's roaring. And David's going out there with a stick. And you think David's intimidated? Look at all this. Goliath is laying it out there just like he's always done. But finally, we've come to somebody that has a little bit of guts 
and knows that God is on their side. Any of the people of Israel could have done this. They were under the same covenant as David. David had no special rights. He had nothing extra that belonged to him that these other guys had. Any of them could have gone out there and done what David did. But check this out. David, he's out there listening to this guy doing all this stuff. But look at this. David replied to the Philistine, All right, hey, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. He's like, you're coming at me with weapons. You're making fun of me. You're coming at me with swords and stuff. I'm coming to you in the name of God, and he's not happy with you. You've ticked him off. You've defied his name, and now you're going to pay the price, man. And so look at this. I love this. It's getting good. Verse 46, he says, today the Lord will conquer you, and I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with a sword and spear. No. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. Now, David, this is pretty intense right here. Okay. And, and I, I am positive that David didn't just go out there and, and politely say, Now, Goliath, you're messing with our God, man. We're not happy. We want you to stop. You've you got to knock it off, man. Quit. Quit. He's a teenage boy, so you know his voice is cracking all over the place. And so he's out. But no, I'm telling you this. David, when he went out there, he went out there with some boldness. He went out there yelling. He had fire in his eyes because he was ticked off that somebody was messing with his people and with his God. And way too many Christians in 2017, there's people messing, you know, the devil's messing with, with you, with your people, with your family, trying to steal your stuff, your health, and all this stuff. And, and you're just sitting back there, oh, God, please, oh, Lord, please make him stop. He's so me. That devil's, oh, that old devil, he's coming after me again. Oh, and, and don't be that type of person. Jesus didn't call you to be a pansy. Okay, he called you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and to fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith does not include begging and pleading and 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 throwing a little hissy fit every time something goes wrong. It includes standing up and getting your sword out and going to battle and telling the giant, I'm going to I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to cut your head off. And that's what David said. And as you know, that's what David did. He killed Goliath. Then he cut his head off. And, you know, this sounds so gory, so sorry if you're weak of stomach. But, hey, you know, this is real. And so he cuts his head off, and he walks back into town holding the head. And everyone's like, that's the guy we were afraid of? And I'm so serious that David, he had this truth that if he had the name of the Lord on his side, there's not a chance in the world that he could lose this fight. And everybody else is saying, man, I, I, I don't see how he's going to win. And, and David's saying, I don't, I don't see how I'm going to lose. I've got God. Yes, he's got swords, spears, javelins. He's nine feet tall. He's got, you know, he's got all this armor. But I feel sorry for him because I'm going to cut his head off. I'm seriously going to cut this guy's head off in just a few minutes. Watch me. I'm going to do it. And everybody else is like, man, I feel, I, I don't know, Dave. Are you sure about this? And if you read it, he runs out there to Goliath. It says he grabs his rocks and he runs out there to Goliath. And it was a two-hit two fight. He hit Goliath, Goliath hit the ground, and it was over. And then he cuts the head off. And out of all that, what I'm trying to say is this, is that 
David lived under this old covenant. The book of Hebrews tells us that we live under a better covenant with better promises. If David could beat Goliath under an old covenant, you can beat the situation in your life under the new covenant with the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life and all these things. There's, I mean, there's just no excuse for us to lose in this life. We've got everything we could possibly need. We've got the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We've got the name of Jesus. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us. There's, there's no chance for us to lose unless we just decide to foul it up on our own, man, and, and, not, and not do it God's way. The only chance that you have of losing in this life is if you decide to take matters into your own hands and do it your own way. But David said something really eye-opening right here. He said, the battle is the Lord's. I'm going to do it God's way. So I'm going to use the authority of the name of Jesus, and I'm going to do this God's way. And that's what you have to get a hold of today, is that the battle's the Lord's. And if you're going to, if you're going to do it His way, you don't, you're not going to lose. You are absolutely not going to lose. But if we keep trying to figure it out and do it our own way, I don't see how you're going to win, honestly. But in the name of Jesus, you have spiritual authority. So quit cowering around to the devil. You know, there's a story I've told many times, but... The great uh, minister Smith Wigglesworth, uh, uh, he, he, he was an amazing man of God, okay? He, he died back in the 1940s, but there's a documented, I think, 27 people that were raised from the dead under his ministry. This isn't made up or, you know, documented stuff that this actually happened. Mighty, mighty, powerful man of God. No joking around. And so he tells this story about one day he, was, he lived in London. He's over there waiting for the, the, the train or the bus or something. And this lady's standing there at the bus stop, and her dog follows her from her house. She's like, Rover, go home, buddy. Rover, go home. And the dog just sits there, not doing anything at all. And so she's like, Rover, sweetie, go on home, buddy. Go, you gotta get, you gotta get. Here comes the bus, go. Rover. And so you know the the bus pulls up. Rover, go home. And the dog's not listening. And so the bus pulls up, and finally she's like, Get out of here! And she yells at him. And the dog goes running home. And Smith Wigglesworth, without even thinking anything about it, he's like, That's how Christians should talk to the devil. They shouldn't be saying, please get out of here. Please go back. Oh, please leave me alone. He's saying, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. I'm submitted to God. I'm going to resist the devil and he is going to flee. But you've got to take this seriously. And that's the big thing that I'm just trying to get everybody to understand is you've got to take the word of God seriously or nothing is going to change in your life. So many people, year after year, it's just the same thing, never moving forward. You see people that have not advanced spiritually in the last ten years. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. We should be moving from glory to glory. We should be moving on to a higher level. And if you have not advanced in your faith, you know, I'm not making fun of you. I feel bad for that. And the reason is this. It's not because God doesn't want to pull you up to a higher level. It's because we have made choices. I have made choices that other things are not as serious as the Word of God. I have made choices that have not made God the priority in my life at times. But what I'm saying is this, is I'm done with that. I'm taking God, I'm taking His Word more seriously than ever before. Because I see a world around me that's crumbling. I see this, this, you know, the streets of my country and riots and all this stuff. And listen to me, there's no, there's no political or philosophical issue to any of this stuff. The answer is the name of Jesus. 
The answer is to get the power of God back in our churches. The answer is to get the presence and the spirit and the anointing of God back in Christians' lives to slap the phone out of their hand and put a Bible in it and say, Wake up! Wake up! Put, put the distractions aside and start using the name of Jesus. Start reading your Bible and that's going to change things. And so my big challenge to everybody this year is slap that stupid thing out of your hands and pick up a Bible and watch what God can do in your life. This could be your year. I'm not going to say it is your year because that's up to you. But this could be your year to have your world rocked, shaken to the core But it's up to if you're going to do things God's way. And so quit playing around with the devil. Number two. Number one, you have spiritual authority. Number two, Jesus wants you to use it. Jesus wants you to use his name. He's not sitting there saying, well, I mean, I did give them that permission, but I really hope they don't do it. No, Jesus wants you to use his name. So look at this. Mark chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. And if you're familiar with this, this is the Great Commission. Jesus is getting ready to go back into heaven. Uh, he's, he's resurrected. He's walked the earth. And here he's coming back. He's getting ready to go up to heaven. And he leaves some final instructions for his disciples. And this is not just the 12 disciples. This is for any Christian ever. This is what Jesus wants you to be doing. Mark chapter 16. We're looking at verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15, it says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. But here's what I want to get at. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. So if you're in here and you believe and you're a Christian, let's see your hand. You know, you're not ashamed. You're you're taking this seriously. It's, It's not your hobby. It's your life. Okay. So he says, these signs will follow those who believe. And my name, say, and my name. name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I believe all these things are for us today. There's not one thing on that list that I would look at and say, well, he said that, but he didn't mean it. He, he meant like something else. I don't know what it was, but it was something else. It couldn't possibly mean that. And it, it, he meant every word that he said. Quit overcomplicating the Bible because you don't have faith enough to believe it. You know, that's what happens so many times. Don't overcomplicate the scriptures. Jesus said, in my name. They'll go and cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll, they'll, they can take up serpents and scorpions and, and nothing. They can drink deadly things. Nothing's going to hurt them. Now, again, disclaimer, we know that doesn't mean you go out and drink poison and say, hey, check this out. You know, no, if you accidentally, were, this were to happen to you, the name of Jesus would protect you. And it, if you know me very well at all, you know that I am not going to go out picking up serpents. Okay? I hate snakes with a passion. But anyway, if I were to come across one, you know, it's not going to bite me. I've got the name of Jesus, right? So this is what this is talking about. But you've got to get a hold of this. He's saying, in my name, he's given you permission. He, Jesus is asking you, he's telling you, go use my name and take authority over the works of the devil. Because the things on that list, you know, laying hands on the stick, casting out demons. Do you think someone being possessed of the devil is a work of the devil? Or is that maybe like, you know, a blessing from God teaching them a lesson? No, of course not. Jesus said, in my name, go and cast out devils. 
And if you have ever had any doubt about the authority of the name of Jesus, your doubts will flee if you see the devil cast out of somebody. Okay? You know, and I've got a cute little story here for us, okay? So I was, uh, I don't know, 18 or 19 or, I don't know, something like that. And I was leading worship in Indiana on a Sunday night. And so I go into this song, and we're singing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Of course, the devil does not like to hear about the blood of Jesus because it's a painful reminder of his future to him. And so, you know, he's, he, I'm, I'm just singing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. And, dude, dude, this girl on the second row hits the deck, man, out of nowhere. And instantly I was like, okay, uh, She's possessed. And, I mean, she just starts going all over the place in convulsions and all this stuff. And, and don't, you know, this is nothing scary if you go the name of Jesus. And so she's doing all this. And at the time, I'm like, you know, have you ever seen, like, on Nacho Libre when they're doing the musical? Yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, my dear sweet mama, mama's on a, she's out there on a, she's not here today. She's on a, a bunch of the pastor's wives went on this cruise down to Mexico. So my mom is on a boat. Somewhere down in Mexico with a bunch of preacher's wives. I don't know what they're doing, but they're, that's, what they're, that's where she's at. And so, but my mom, you know, she hears all this going on, and mom goes back there, man, and not intimidate or anything. She gets down and is like, in the name of Jesus, get out! And instantly the girl's like, and totally fine, man. Instantly, the devil was cast out of this girl, and if you're looking, I don't believe that stuff. If you see this happen, you believe it, and you're not a doubter anymore. And what it proved to me even further is this, is that there is power in the name of Jesus. No, you know, nobody could go up and say, oh, it's okay, honey, just snap out of it, snap out of it, because people were trying to do that, and it was not working. But the instant that somebody laid hands and said, Jesus, the devil had to flee. There's power in the name of Jesus, man. I don't know what our deal is, but we're not taking advantage of this stuff. We should be seeing this stuff happen because the name of Jesus is the name above every other name. And Jesus told you in Mark 16, use my name. You got a problem? Use my name. Just go out, lay hands on the sick in my name. Cast out devils in my name. Speak in new tongues in my name, man. I I believe in all this stuff and I've witnessed this stuff and experienced this stuff because of the name of Jesus. And so you've, you've got to get a hold of the authority that you have and quit, and, and quit just putting up with stuff in your life. You know, I think about it this way. Imagine this. You go home today, sitting on your couch, chilling out. This, this is your house, your home. You have the authority in this house. Now, you go to your neighbor's house, you don't have authority there. That doesn't belong to you. You have no right to go tell them what to do in their home. But in your house, nobody can just come in and tell you what to do, right? This is, this is your place of authority. If, if nowhere else in the world, this is your spot. You do have the authority here, physically speaking, naturally, legally. People can't come in and just tell you what to do or they're trespassing. So imagine you're, you're at home today. You sit down on your couch. Watching the football game, you got the Steelers and the Deflatriots playing, okay, you got Bill Belichick, they're, they're out there on the TV and all this stuff, and, and you're, you're watching, watching the game, and your door just flies open, and someone walks in, goes to the refrigerator, makes a sandwich, stacks it all up, comes and sits down on the couch, roots you out of the way and grabs the remote and turns the channel. And what, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh, jeez, okay, well, sorry to... No, if this happens to me, okay, especially, you know, I'm watching a good football game or something, I'm going to take authority over the situation right then. I'm not going to say, man, that's kind of rude. Can you quit? Man, 
I have an attitude about you. Geez, what happened? Govern your crawl, man. What's going on? You know, I, I'm telling you, if this happens, somebody comes into my realm of authority and disrespects me and takes my stuff and steals from me, I'm going to get really angry. And, you know, you don't see Pastor Dave angry too often, but this, theoretically this could happen. And so here, here we go. <laughs> One time I, I got upset about something and I had to tell Melinda, and, and later on I apologized. I was like, I'm sorry for being angry. She's like, oh, you were angry? I couldn't tell. <laughs> Listen, all right? I can get angry. It's just harder for me than for some people, but it can't happen. And so, so someone's in my house stealing my stuff. I mean, I'm going to tell them, say, man, what, get out of here. Give it back. Give me that sandwich. Give me that room. Get out of here. I'm going to cast them out of my house really, really quick. But a whole lot of people, the devil shows up all the time, throws your door open, walks in, you know, brings in some sort of destruction into your life, steals your stuff, steals your joy, your peace, is bringing strife in, your kids mad at each other, fighting, hating each other, you're mad at your wife and all this, and you're, just, you're not doing anything about it at all. You're just sitting there living with it, but you've got to take authority over the situation, and Jesus wants you to. He's like, man, just would you please use my name already? Please use my name down there? And so, get this. That you have spiritual authority and Jesus wants you to use your name. And I'm just saying this. I'm not going to get stolen from anymore. I refuse to let the devil steal from me anymore. His days of stealing from me and, and, and trying to bully me around are over with. I'm using the name of Jesus. There's no need for this. It's ridiculous. Matthew 18, 18. Let's check this out. Matthew 18, verse 18. This is, a, this is another verse that you should... I mean, if you're cool enough to highlight in your Bible, highlight this one. If you, uh, if you take notes, write this one down. If you like to use a you know, little pen and underline things, go ahead and do that right here. If you're the type of person that puts stars beside good verses, put a star beside this one. Um, you know, if, I can't think of anything else to say. But what I'm trying to say is this is a really good verse. Matthew 18, verse 18. And Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That word bind literally means forbid. Jesus says, all right, you forbid it on earth, it's forbidden in heaven. And so I've got to this place where I, there's just some stuff I absolutely, I forbid it from taking place in my life. Does that mean the devil never tries to bring things in? He tries, man, but I fight back. I fight the good fight of faith. I use the, I use the name of Jesus and I win. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Always triumph in Christ Jesus. What does always mean? Yeah, always. Yeah, always. That means every time we triumph in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus says right here, I tell you, man, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There's some things in your life, man, you've maybe even putting up with them for years. It's time for you to say, you know what? I forbid it. I forbid this in the name of Jesus. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus from bringing this into my life anymore. And you're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to take a big stand. But guess what? The name of Jesus works. And so, man, maybe there's something you've been trying to overcome for years. An addiction? A sin, or maybe a sickness, or, or maybe just inconsistency, whatever it is, this is your time to use the name above all names and watch what the power of Jesus can do in your life. 
I've seen this so many times. And so if there's something that's been happening in your life that doesn't need to happen, bind it in the name of Jesus. Forbid it from happening in the name of Jesus. And watch what happens. So the third thing we'll say today is this. Number one, you have spiritual authority. The second thing is Jesus wants you to use it. But number three, you need to speak to the mountain in your life. Like, speak, to, speak to the mountain. Are you serious right now? I am so serious. I've never been more serious about anything in my life. If you learn to speak to the mountains in your life, the devil is absolutely terrified of you. If you get a hold of the name of Jesus and you learn to speak to the mountains. And so, what is it that's been standing in your way? You know, everybody, you've got something that's been trying to hold you back. There's, there's a mountain in your life. And you don't have to think that, that long or that hard to figure out what the mountain has been in your life. But the good news is this, is that you even have authority over the mountains. And I'm not saying, you know, the physical mountain. I'm talking about whatever it is in your life that's been holding you back. And so we're, I'm going to show you some verses here. Uh, a lot of you know where I'm going, but, oh my gosh, if you... If you Oh, if you got a hold of these, wow, it would rock your world. Mark 11, verses 22 through 24. This is incredible. And these are so good. We've, we even got them up on our stage there. But these are life-changing verses. You know, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who we talk about so much, he, as a, as a teenage boy, became, uh, he, he became so sick. He had some sort of blood disease. And this was back in, like, the 20s or something. So, you know, the, the technology and the science isn't what it is today. I, I don't know exactly what it was he had, but he got so bad, and his, he had a, a, a deformed heart, he became paralyzed, and he was totally bedfast, stuck in his bed for like 16 months or something, hadn't been able to, he was paralyzed. And so he starts reading these verses, and he'd ask for preachers to come pray, and you know they'd pray for the Lord to help him cope as he lived his final days out and stuff like that. And, and, and he's reading these verses, just that he's going to die. He stumbles across Mark eleven twenty two through 24, and he's, he starts doing what they say. And the miraculous happened, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Mark 11, verses 22 through 24, in the King James it says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. How, I mean, how basic of a verse is that? But if we could just get this one verse, it would change everything. Jesus says, man, have faith in God. Just believe. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, there are a lot of absolute statements in that verse. And sometimes for us, it's hard to believe, like, are you sure, like, what things soever you desire? Whosoever shall say in this mountain, that, mean, that means anybody that uses the name of Jesus can have this happen to them. What things soever you desire, believe them, believe that you receive, and ye shall have them. Those are very bold statements to make, don't you think? I mean, that's, that, that's almost, you know, if you didn't know anybody, you're like, Jesus, you're kind of stepping out on a limb right there to guarantee that anybody can do this. Jesus, that's kind of, that's a little gutsy, right? Are you sure you want to say this, that anybody under the name of Jesus 
can say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And if they don't doubt in their heart, but believe that those things that they say shall come to pass, they'll have whatsoever they say. Jesus, are you sure you want to say that? I don't think that Jesus regrets putting this in the Bible. I don't think that he just meant it for the twelve. Because we read these verses, and again, people that like to overcomplicate the Bible. I, I, you know, I just don't get why some people spend their time trying to prove why the blessings of God are not for them and for us today, instead of just believing it. I found I am so much happier when, and, and more full of joy and peace when I just believe the Bible instead of trying to debate, you know, well, and it says that, but I'm not sure that it meant. He was just talking to the twelve right there. And that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. To say, well, no, that only applies to the twelve. That's the twelve. Twelve guys are just the twelve. Just the twelve. That is stupid, man. If whosoever, and Mark eleven twenty three does not mean whosoever, then why does whosoever in John three sixteen mean whosoever? Nobody debates that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Because if your logic is, well, you know, Mark eleven twenty three is talking to the twelve, then my logic is, okay, don't claim John three sixteen. He was talking to Nicodemus. He wasn't, no, that's not, you can't, you have no right to claim that. But the truth of the matter is this, whosoever means whosoever in John 3.16, and whosoever means whosoever in Mark 11.23. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. This can change your life. And so Kenneth Hagin, he's, he's crippled, he's, he's paralyzed for all these months, and he starts getting this down in his spirit, in his heart. And he says, you know what? Whosoever, that would mean me too. I have a right to do this. And so he starts speaking over his condition, mountain of sickness, mountain of disease, being paralyzed, deformed heart. In the name of Jesus, be moved, be cast into the sea. And so he has this thought, you know what? What am I doing in bed right now? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Only sick people are in bed at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm not, I, I refuse to believe that I'm sick anymore. He says, you know what? Well, people are out of bed at 10 o'clock. I'm getting out of bed. So he somehow throws one leg out of bed and it, it hits the floor. And he said at that moment, his legs started moving and he felt like a bolt of electric, just like the tingling of some. And then he gets somehow, flops out, gets his other foot out there. And he said that at that moment, man, he just felt something completely come over him, like this an electrical you know, current take over his body. And, and, and he took a few steps, and at that moment, he was completely 100% healed, and it never came back, ever, ever, ever. Mark eleven twenty three. And most of you know my story, but you know, just to abbreviate it really quick, when I was three and a half, I was diagnosed with leukemia, and I went crippled, and I was dying. And, you know, Barry, I, I remember this, okay? I was little, but I remember it. And I've got scars to remember it on my back, man. Spinal taps, if you haven't had one of those, it's not fun, especially when you're three and a half. But I've got scars all up and down my back still. And I've, I've got holes on my veins from all the blood I've had drawn and pumped into my body, you know. But check it out. So I'm in the hospital, wonderful children's hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana, Completely dying, you know, surrounded by other little kids that are dying. And, but my parents, they've got this, man. They've got these verses that we've talked about. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Stay into the mountain, be thou removed. All these things, man. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I mean, dozens, hundreds of verses. And so one day, I'm just sitting there getting ready to get more blood drawn. And this is my story, so I don't, 
this is, hey, if you doubt anything else, this is what happened to me, okay? <laughs> I feel somebody pick me up off of this hospital table. I mean, and I, as clear as day, man, somebody picked me up and set me on the ground. My dad was there. He, he sees this happening. And I hadn't walked in months. You know, I'd been crippled. And all of a sudden, man, I just take off running up this hallway. And I start singing and dancing. And they said, I, I mean, I danced all afternoon, just sang and danced and danced and danced. And I got to admit, I'm pretty white. I'm a terrible dancer. But at this moment, I think I just like, looked really, really cool or something. And so I'm like dancing all over the place. And they finally they get a hold of me. They get me on the table. They start drawing blood, and there was zero trace of leukemia. It was instantly, instantly gone. It didn't slowly go away or slowly go, It was 100% gone. I've had my blood drawn all the time since then. There's never, ever been one smidgen of a trace that I have ever had leukemia, ever. And it's, it's just incredible. But did that just happen because, well, the Lord felt sorry for us, so I was one of his chosen ones? No. It happened because my parents knew they had authority. It happened because they knew the name of Jesus, so they weren't afraid to use it, and they didn't ask the devil, please leave our son alone. No, why? No. They said, no. In the name of Jesus, by Jesus' stripes, he's healed. They didn't play around with the devil, and I am so glad and so grateful that they knew their authority. And so for all of us today, we're asking this question in this series we're doing, what if? What if you knew your authority? What if you started taking authority in the name of Jesus? The things that are happening in your life right now, what, what if you stood up in the name of Jesus and forbid it from happening any longer? What if you used the name of Jesus and spoke to the mountain and told it to be removed? What if you got tired of being sick and tired? What if you stood up and fought back in the name of Jesus? Can you imagine your life without that mountain that you're thinking about right now? You know what the mountain is. I don't know what it is in your life. But just imagine how beautiful and pleasant life would be if this mountain wasn't there right now. That doesn't just have to be a wish or a dream. This can totally happen in your life. But it's not just going to happen by chance or by the Lord feeling sorry for you. It's going to happen if you'll get a hold of the Word of God and use his name, and speak his name. And the best part is this, is that Jesus wants this for you. He wants you to use his name. He wants you to have a life full of love, joy, peace, prosperity, healing, and health. This is his will, and anything less is not the will of God. Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, they're not up there begging, wondering how they're going to feed their kids. All right, my, my God, man, my, my kids, their shoes, they need new shoes, but I don't have the money. Maybe, maybe this is just God humbling me. Man, God wants your kids to have shoes. If you, don't fall into that. It's a lie from the devil. Maybe you're sitting there, well, you know, I just, my little, my baby, he's sick right now, and I, I just don't know what to do. Maybe, maybe God, no, that's from the devil. Stand up and use the name of Jesus. Forbid this stuff from happening in your life anymore. Jesus said, you bind it on earth, it's bound in heaven, man. Listen, get a hold of this. And so we'll just close out with this today. Whatever it is that's been holding you back, what if you use the authority you have in the name of Jesus? What if you stood up to it and fought back? The devil will have to flee.
Amen. All right, we'll go ahead and end there today. Let's